just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope the start of your week is going well. Monday brought us a lot of scary stuff, crazy stuff, funny stuff, serious stuff. So there's plenty to talk about, and we will do that. One thing I wanted to bring up, I was contacted by another creator on TikTok. Her name is Granny Jace. If you've seen her TikTok, she's the lady that does the In a Minute News. She does a great job. If you don't follow her, you should. I follow her, and I find her very entertaining and very informational and very helpful to me. Anyway, she contacted me and wanted to talk about doing a dual live, she and I. Now, I don't do lives very often, not because I don't like to or because I'm afraid to. It's because every time I do, we get these trumplefucks swooping in getting butt hurt, and then reporting to TikTok that one of us or me did something that was bullying or whatever. And then they get the live taken down. And after a while, it just seems pointless to even try. Now, these people can't argue a point. They can't deal with facts. So they pout and they go cry and they tell on us to TikTok, even though we've done nothing wrong. We're just talking about the things we talk about. We're talking about facts and truth, but they can't handle it and they can't fight back. So this is what they do. And that's typically why I don't do lives. Now, uh, when Granny Jace asked me to do this dual live, I said, sure, what the heck, we'll give it a shot. It's been a while since I've done a live, and I always wanted to do one where I had somebody to act, actually talk to directly. I enjoy hearing the questions from the people in the lives, but I also like talking to people, too, and that gives me that opportunity. We're trying to decide when to do it. It looks like it'll be a week from Friday in the later afternoon, but I'll keep you posted on that, let you know when, where, and how. And hopefully you'll join us on that live. Now, you know, I always tell folks that uh, they're more than welcome to reach out to me with questions, comments, complaints, what have you. You can email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find Rational Boomer Podcast, and leave me a voicemail message. I always love to hear from you. And I just got an email from a gentleman yesterday, so I thought I'd take the time to uh, read it and uh, answer the questions he has. He says, hey, Mike, I'm curious what you thought about the 2016 election in terms of what went wrong for Hillary, Bernie's campaign, and how the media legitimized Trump. You don't have to answer right away. Save it for a slow news day. Cheers, Tyler. Well, thank you, Tyler. I appreciate you taking the time to write the note and ask the questions. There are no slow news days these days, but uh, whenever I get a question or comment or an email from one of the listeners, they always take priority. So I'll try to get to them as quickly as I possibly can, assuming it's something I can answer. Sometimes I'll just send a note back, but other times I'll bring it um, on the show because there are some things that are worth talking about that more than this person would be interested in. So he asked me, I'm, he's curious as to what I thought about the 2016 election and what, what went wrong for Hillary. 
Well, I can tell you what I think. I think in 2016, voters in this country were tired of the status quo. They were tired of the establishment. Nothing was getting done. A lot of money was being taken from us, but it was all going to the rich. And people were fucking tired of the establishment. They wanted a change. Hillary Clinton wasn't a great candidate because there's too many people that just didn't trust her or didn't like her. Whether it's valid or not, that's the way it was. People didn't like Hillary Clinton, maybe partially because she represented represented the epitome of the establishment, and this is what they didn't like. Um, the thing with Hillary was that uh, she wanted to run when Barack Obama ran. But they said, no, it's Barack's turn. So when Barack left office, she said, it's my turn. And she pulled enough weight in the Democratic Party. They said, yeah, let's just let Hillary go. She says it's her turn, so we better let her have it. And she went um, as a Democratic candidate, and she lost, of course. She won the popular vote, but she lost the electoral vote. And why is that? Again, I think it's because... Not enough people liked her or trusted her. She represented the establishment, and people were at this point wanting something different. Now, Donald Trump comes out. I don't think he'd honestly believe that he would win. I don't really think he did. I think he thought it would be good publicity to build his brand. But then when it started taking off and it looked like he might win, his ego took over, and then he wanted to win. The reason Donald Trump won was because he was totally different. He wasn't a politician. He was talking badly about the Democrats and to the Republicans to a certain extent. He was going to change everything. He was going to take everything down and give it back to the people. That's what he said. He's a businessman. He's a billionaire. He's a tough guy. They wanted to change. And Donald Trump is the only one that represented that change in the country. They knew that Hillary Clinton was a known commodity, and they didn't want that. Donald Trump wasn't a known commodity, and they wanted out of the establishment so bad they were willing to take a chance on somebody who's a good talker and said the things they wanted to hear. Now, I've often said, and people disagree with me about this, but I'll explain why I believe this. You talk about Bernie's campaign. Well, Bernie got screwed because Hillary felt like it was her entitlement to be the candidate from the Democratic Party. But I honestly believe if Bernie uh, Sanders would have been the the, uh, candidate for the Democratic Party, he would have won. And he probably would have beaten Donald Trump a lot easier. Now, people will say, well, he's too far left. The Democrats would never go for that. But wait a minute. Think about what I said. People were looking for a change. They were looking for something different. Bernie Sanders isn't even really a Democrat. He's an independent. And he was offering something vastly different and something that was going to help a lot of people in the middle class. While he may not be the traditional Democratic candidate, he could have won easily. Because, again, if their mindset is we want something different, we want something not establishment, he would have fit that category, too. And he would have been a far safer bet for something different than Donald Trump would have been. Bernie Sanders, if he was in a debate 
or if he was going back and forth during the campaign, Bernie Sanders could handle Donald Trump. And people genuinely liked Bernie Sanders. Whether they agreed with him or not about his policies, they thought he was a funny, kindly old man. They liked him. They didn't like Hillary Clinton. So Bernie got screwed out of the deal. He stayed in the Senate. Hillary went up against Donald Trump, and uh, and he he won. He won because people wanted something different. Bernie Sanders would have been something different, but the Democrats fucked up. So I've said this before. While the Republicans are responsible for getting Donald Trump to be president of the United States, I think the Democrats have to take some heat in this too, because had they done the right thing as opposed to what they felt like they were forced into, they probably would have beaten Donald Trump. Well, there's one other culprit in getting Donald Trump elected president. And uh, he talked about it here. He said, uh, Tyler said, and how the media legitimized Donald Trump. Okay. Now, when Donald Trump first said he's going to run for president, nobody, not even the Republicans, thought he had any chance at all. But Donald Trump is boisterous. He knows how to reel off uh, sound clips that are popular or funny or outrageous or crazy or whatever. And the media, while in normal circumstances, probably wouldn't have paid much attention to a candidate like Donald Trump, They did here because it was good TV. It caused outrage. It caused anger. It caused excitement. And they kept putting him on TV. They gave him legitimacy by having him on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and all of the networks. It's not just the Republican or conservative networks. It was all of them. They loved the drama. They loved the turmoil. So they put it out there and put it out there and After a certain amount of time, Donald Trump became a legitimate candidate for president. Now, the Republicans weren't happy about this because they knew Donald Trump was crazy. But at that point, they saw Donald Trump was gaining some power, so they better get on board and benefit all they can from helping Donald Trump get elected. I mean, you think about all the things he said about Republicans. He told Ted Cruz's wife she's ugly. She's not that, that ugly. Ted Cruz is way uglier than his wife. (laughs) But that's what happened. The media kept putting him out there, and the more they put him out there, the more legitimate he seemed, even though he should have had no chance at winning the presidency. Now, if you're an old guy like me, okay, there was another circumstance. I don't even remember what it was. Was it 76 or maybe 72? It was probably 72, Remember, there was the Smothers Brothers comedy hour. There was a character on that comedy hour that became very popular. And I was very young at the time, but he technically ran for president. His name is Pat Paulson. He was a comedian. He was a goofball. He's a weirdo. But he ran for the presidency. Now, nobody knew he was going, nobody thought he was going to win, but it was funny and it was a good joke. And that's basically who Donald Trump was, Pat Paulson from 72. Oh, there was one other in the later 70s that ran for president. Remember this one? Joe Walsh. (laughs) He ran for president under the keg party. (laughs) 
Now, nobody thought Joe Walsh was going to win, but it was kind of funny, a way to promote himself. And that's what Donald Trump was doing. But as luck would have it, the media got hold of it. The more crazy things he said, the more he got legitimacy from the people watching these television shows. So the Democrats fucked up. The Republicans fucked up. The media fucked up. And then we all fucked up because we bought into it. And Donald Trump, all of a sudden, the president in 2016. So there you go, Tyler. That's what I have. Hopefully it makes some sense to you. And uh, <laughs> hopefully that never happens again for Donald Trump in 2024. Now, there's an important court case. There's a few important court cases going on this week. But there's one I haven't really talked about that much because I didn't know much about it. So I did some investigation. And uh, this is going to get a lot of people upset depending on how this goes. The state of Mississippi passes a law where abortion is limited to anybody under 15 weeks pregnant. Now, where the problem comes in is we have settled law in Roe v. Wade with the Constitution. And that stipulates that no one over 25 weeks can get an abortion. Well, now Mississippi wants to bring it down to 15 weeks, 10 weeks less. And, of course, we already heard about what Texas wanted to do. They want it down to six weeks, which basically bans abortion because a lot of women don't know they're pregnant till after they're six weeks pregnant. So anyways, this Mississippi law has been taken up this chain, the court chain, all the way to the Supreme Court. And now the Supreme Court is going to look at it. And why this is particularly troubling to people, even though Roe v. Wade is settled law, it really shouldn't be up for debate. Because this law has gotten up to the Supreme Court, now they have to make a decision. Is it constitutional or is it not? Is it okay for Mississippi to drop the uh, number of weeks somebody can be uh, pregnant when they want to have an abortion? They want to drop it 10 weeks to 15 weeks. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. And for all intents and purposes, It should be struck down. They maintain what's happening with Roe v. Wade. Sixty percent of the country believe in Roe v. Wade. So, I mean, this is a democracy. You would think majority rules, but not necessarily in court, especially when we're talking about a Supreme Court that has six conservative justices and three liberal justices. Now, the question is, when it gets to the Supreme Court, they hear the arguments and they have to make a decision. If they decide Mississippi can do what they're trying to do, then essentially they're overturning Roe v. Wade, which could be a very troubling situation. I mean, with 60% of the country believing Roe v. Wade is a legitimate law that we should stick with, if they overturn Roe v. Wade, there's going to be a lot of angry people. And they are going to fight back against this. We know the evangelicals and the radical right Republicans, their only focus is abortion. They don't care what their people do or what crimes they commit as long as they're doing whatever they can to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now this is going to go to the Supreme Court and we're going to see what they do. 
They're very sensitive about being considered or perceived as partisan. They don't want to be perceived as partisan because that weakens the court. But the fact of the matter is, is some of the things they've done have been very partisan. We're going to do partisan shit, but we don't want you to think we're partisan. Sorry, it doesn't work this way. And when you get to decide on this Mississippi law, should you agree with it and hold it up and overturn Roe v. Wade, you're going to appear very partisan, especially since this is a law that's been in place since 1973. 1973, almost 50 fucking years. But because we have conservatives in the Supreme Court who say they're not partisan, but may react as though they are partisan, this may change. And if this changed, this is a watershed in this country. This is going to cause all kinds of upheaval. The evangelicals will be happy, but frankly, they're a small portion of this country. As I said, 60% of the people want to maintain Roe v. Wade. So, if the Supreme Court takes a partisan attitude on this and overturns Roe v. Wade, we could be in for a lot of trouble. People are going to be pissed. I mean, you hear all these Trumplicans complaining about having to wear a mask. And they have the audacity to say, my body, my choice. And they believe that wholeheartedly. But apparently they have a different feeling when it comes to abortion and women. It's their body, but apparently the evangelicals want their choice. Well, women fought for rights from the time I was a little guy. There were... A lot of things women couldn't do in the 60s. Did you know a woman couldn't own a credit card? Did you know that uh, they couldn't really have a bank account? In the 60s, for fuck's sake. Now, women fought very hard. You hear about the the uh, anti-war people, the hippies in the 60s and 70s. You hear about civil rights and how difficult and how violent that could have gotten. But during the same time, people, women, were fighting for rights of their own. And they fought, and they struggled, and they fought. And Roe v. Wade was one of those things, and that's why uh, it became law in 1973, just coming out of the 60s. So now, If the Supreme Court, state of Mississippi, state of Texas, whoever the fuck it is, comes in and says, ladies, you don't get to control your body anymore. We're going to make that choice for you. Instead of 25 weeks, it's going to be 15 weeks. Now, wait a minute. Maybe it's six weeks for all intents and purposes, banning abortion. Now, I don't have any particular opinions on abortion. I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. I'm not avidly against abortion, but I understand why people might be. When I had kids, I got a different perspective about child, children, and and uh, children being born. I got a different perception of it. But at that same point, I can't possibly... I can't possibly agree to tell a woman that she doesn't have control over her body, especially when she might have gotten pregnant in some violent or assault 
and she still can't make a choice for her own body. It's a tough question to answer, and I'm not the man to answer what's right and what's wrong. I got no dog in the race. I'm 61 years old. I have two grandchildren. I have two children. It doesn't come into my life at all as far as abortion at this point. But when you start taking rights away from people, that is problematic. Because when they take rights away from one group of people, they'll take it from another group of people and another group of people. And this is bad for the country. It's like saying, okay, we're going to repeal the Second Amendment. Nobody can have guns. You think the Republicans and the Trumplicans are going to be pissed off? And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think they should repeal the Second Amendment. I don't think it's ever good when this country takes away rights from its people, no matter who those people are. It's just not a good, it's not a good look. It doesn't bode well for the future of this country and the freedom of the people who are in this country. So the idea of repealing Roe v. Wade or overturning it, whatever you want to call it, that's not a good thing. It's not fair to the women who now won't have control over their own bodies. There's no arguing that. We're all individuals. We're autonomous. And we should be able to control everything about our body. Men can do it. So why shouldn't women be able to do it? I don't know. This is going to be a tough court case, and it's going to cause a lot of upheaval. If they don't overturn Roe v. Wade, watch the evangelicals and the religious right go fucking nuts. But if they do overturn Roe v. Wade, there's going to be a lot of people, 60% of this country, that is going to go nuts, and justifiably so. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, there's yet another important court case going on this week. It started Monday. It is the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. They sat the jurors. There's 12 of them and six alternates, so 18 total. And the prosecution gave their opening comments. The defense made their opening remarks. Now, if for some reason you were under a rock and don't know who Ghislaine Maxwell is, I'll explain. Ghislaine Maxwell was the girlfriend and business partner of Jeffrey Epstein. Now, we all know Jeffrey Epstein, a convicted pedophile. I can say he was a pedophile. He was convicted. He was in jail and was going to be convicted again. But unfortunately, he had an untimely death. Did he kill himself? Was he murdered? You know, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. And I can see him committing suicide. But was he murdered? Well, under normal circumstances, I would say, well, that's fucking crazy. But when you know that he can implicate a lot of very wealthy, very powerful people, politicians, athletes, rock stars, movie stars... It isn't quite that crazy that somebody may have gotten to him. 
I mean, I know that he was under guard and checked on with some consistency, but there was a dead time when the guards just weren't available. In surprise of all surprises, that's the moment he decides to commit suicide. Did he or didn't he? I don't know. I'm just glad he's dead, because then he can't inflict any more of the pain that he inflicted throughout his entire life. And there's no risk of him getting off easy because politicians are afraid of what he might say. So now what they do is they bring in Ghislaine Maxwell and they need to put her on trial. Now, it's not like she was just there and they're trying to take advantage of her and prosecute somebody. Because the fact of the matter, Ghislaine Maxwell was his pimp, was his recruiter, was his groomer, was the person who... uh, procured underage girls to Jeffrey Epstein and to his buddies who happen to be powerful and wealthy and famous. There's also talk that she participated in some of these illicit acts with underage girls. So as much as she is an an accessory to these crimes, apparently she in fact committed these crimes. She in fact is a pedophile as well. So this woman needs to be tried and she needs to expose what she knows about what's happening or what happened so it doesn't happen again. Now it doesn't seem like there's any chance she's not going to get convicted. There's just too much evidence, too many witnesses. She's going to get uh, convicted. Now her defense is going to be, well, I was just a victim too. He made me do all this stuff which is absolute bullshit. She was rich in her own right. She came from a powerful family. She did exactly what she fucking wanted to do for whatever reason, and she is responsible for her acts. And hopefully now she will pay the price. And I believe she will be convicted. I don't think they have any choice but to convict her. But the real question is about our judicial system. Now, as I've said, This whole thing with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, there was a lot of rich, wealthy, powerful celebrities that uh, partied with these folks, would go down to Jeffrey Epstein's pedophile aisle, if you will. We know this from flight logs, and we know this from uh, um, all kinds of documentation about people attending parties with Jeffrey Epstein and going down to this island that is sounds like an island of horrors for underage girls. It sounds a, like a lot was put on these girls and they were taken advantage of and assaulted on a regular basis by Jeffrey Epstein, by Ghislaine Maxwell, and by any number of rich, powerful, and famous people. It is absolutely horrifying to imagine that this happened in this country and down on that island. Now, the Republicans would have you believe that it's only Democrats that hung out with Jeffrey Epstein, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous. We know that Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton went down to the island. They're Democrats. But we also know that Donald Trump was close buddies with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Now, he'll say, I didn't know him very well. And I didn't really know Ghislaine Maxwell very well, but I, I, I wish her the best. You wish a pedophile the best. Do you really? Well, you wish her the best because you want her to not talk about the shit you were involved in. 
And people will say to me, you can't prove that he was involved in anything with Jeffrey Epstein. Well, there's tons of video, tons of pictures. There were deals they were in on together. Funny, they were both sued for pedophilia, sexual assaults on a 13-year-old girl. They were both named in a lawsuit. Jeffrey Epstein, Donald Trump. Now, as we got close to the uh, election, somehow the woman, who is now an adult, that was suing these two, just disappeared. Now, I'm not saying she was killed or anything like that, but she was either bought off or scared off because later on she came back and was going to file a suit again. I mean, this is what Donald Trump does. He intimidates people. He's a bully. There is this lawsuit, and clearly there had to be some evidence that proved that both he and Jeffrey Epstein raped a 13-year-old girl. And you tell me, I didn't know Jeffrey Epstein that well. That's absolutely bullshit. But you have to wonder in this court case if these names, these people that attended these parties and went to that island will be exposed. And if they start exposing things, something bad could happen to them. Now, if Jeffrey Epstein didn't commit suicide and was killed, there's a good reason for it. They were afraid he was going to talk. We know that Jeffrey Epstein looked at Donald Trump as kind of an older brother, a mentor. And we know that Jeffrey Epstein made most of his money through blackmailing and coercing. He had these people on his island or in his mansion in New York. He helped these people get put in situations with underage girls. But what they didn't know is he videotaped everything. Nobody knew how Jeffrey Epstein made money. But now it would appear as though he did it through blackmail and he made all kinds of money. All he needed to do is have a videotape of a rich, powerful, famous man having sex with an underage girl. He could get all the money he wanted out of them by just holding on to that video. Now, as I said, Donald Trump, they say, was a mentor or a big brother to Jeffrey Epstein. And that makes sense when you consider the way Donald Trump does business. He likes to coerce. He likes to bully. He likes to blackmail. We've seen him do it a hundred times. We heard him do it when he called the Secretary of State of Georgia to try to coerce them into flipping the election in his favor. He threw out uh, legal problems and pressure from the executive office. Donald Trump's all about bullying, all about blackmailing and, and uh, coercing or extortion. And that's exactly what, what uh, Jeffrey Epstein did. So these people were tied together, but there were many others. There were Democrats and Republicans. There were famous people, maybe people that we love on TV or on stages playing music. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. If my favorite celebrity is one of these people, they should fucking crucify him. Because I don't care about what party you're in or how famous you might be, or how talented you might be. If you are gay engaging in illicit activities with underage children, you should go to jail at the very least. To be perfectly honest with you, 
They should fucking execute him because these people cannot be uh, rehabilitated and they're going to be a danger anytime they get loose on the streets of this country. Now, these guys get these easy sentences, but you have to understand they have destroyed the lives of thousands and thousands of children. Children don't get over this. It ruins their lives. And if you've taken a life, even though it's not actually murder, but you've taken their life, you should give up your life too. That's why we need to know how much these powerful people, particularly Donald Trump, were involved in this whole bunch of bullshit down at the island or in his mansion or whatever. These people need to be exposed, and we'll find out if our judicial system is up to it, if they are legitimate and they do what they're supposed to do, or they're going to hide all these names somehow. Now, they may be able to get through this court case without exposing the names because it's really all about Ghislaine Maxwell. But once we establish she is guilty and these things happened, then the DOJ has to look at those people that were at these events, that were tied to these events. You at least have to investigate it to see if they had any part of it. We're going to tell a lot about our judicial system and our DOJ to see if they dog these things out, go after the people that may have done the same crimes that Jeffrey Epstein did. So that court case is going on this week. And it'll be interesting to see how Ghislaine Maxwell ends up after it's all said and done. Now, I also wanted to talk about a gentleman by the name of Dr. Ronnie Jackson. Do you remember him? Yeah, he's a pretty impressive guy. He has quite a resume. He's currently Representative Dr. Ronnie Jackson of Texas. I guess I don't have to tell you that he's a Republican, a crazy fucking Republican. He is a decorated war veteran. He retired a rear admiral in the Navy, and he was a presidential physician. Yeah, he was Donald Trump's physician. Remember his great work? He came out and he he told us, yeah, Donald Trump's in excellent shape. He may be the best conditioned president in the history of presidents. (laughs) Hell, he could live to be 200 years old. Who the hell knows? And I can just see Donald Trump sitting there listening to this, loving the adulation that Dr. Ronnie Jackson is giving him and saying, fucking A, you're right, I'm the most healthy president in fucking history, as he's eating a Big Mac and some fries and a chocolate shake. This guy's not healthy. We never got a straight answer about his health when Dr. Ronnie Jackson was involved. We just heard about Joe Biden, he had his yearly checkup. Joe's 79 years old, for Christ's sake. He's got a few issues, but who doesn't at 79? But Joe keeps moving around. He keeps talking clearly. He keeps doing the job. The important thing is we heard exactly what was up with Joe Biden. We as a country need to know the health conditions of our president. And when Joe Biden has had his uh, physical, we got to find out what really happened. But with Donald Trump, we got Dr. Ronnie Jackson coming up saying, uh, yeah, don't worry about it. He's okay. He's in great shape. 
That's how Donald Trump did everything. Everything was fucking hidden. But here's the interesting thing about Representative Dr. Ronnie Jackson now. He was talking about the Omicron variant of COVID. Now, it seems like Ronnie Jackson isn't buying this new variant. Apparently, he thinks it's a hoax like they thought COVID was. He thinks it's just a Democratic ploy to cheat in the 2022 election. Really, dude? That's what you fucking think? You're a fucking doctor, and this is what you think. You're not going to give us any medical opinions about this. You're going to say it's some conspiracy theory, that it's some ploy by the Democrats to cheat the Republicans. Jesus Christ. Can you fucking believe this? Can you believe that somebody like that has a doctor's degree, was a rear admiral in the Navy, is a decorated veteran, and he's fucking nuts. He's fucking berserk. I don't know about Dr. Ronnie Jackson. I'm not surprised he's a representative uh, from Texas because what's going on down there is absolutely fucking nuts. But it's impossible to take him seriously. He's just not a serious person. He's just spewing bullshit. And all along, he's endangering people. That's what Donald Trump did when he ignored COVID. It got way out of hand. And the reason we're still dealing with COVID to this day and all the variants is because Donald Trump didn't do fuck all when he had the opportunity to do it. He didn't do his job as a president. So now people are all concerned about this new one, the Omicron, and they're worried about it taking over the country again and shutting things down and all that stuff. Here's the difference, though. Joe Biden isn't Donald Trump. There are certain precautions a president can take with the country, certain things they can implement in the country. Joe Biden's not going to just sit on it and call it a hoax and do nothing. Joe Biden is going to be working to protect us all from this. Now, we don't know much about this particular variant. It may not be a big deal, but everywhere you turn on TV and all the politicians, it's like doom day coming. Here's one thing you need to know. The Pfizer Corporation says they can have, if if necessary, they don't know that it's necessary yet, they can have a, a vaccine to help, uh, help protect us against this new variant in about 100 days. Moderna says it would be 60 to 90 days. And there'll be no sitting on people's hands when that occurs if if we need to do that. Joe's going to handle this a lot different than Donald Trump did. And he can't help but be better than Donald Trump because Donald Trump didn't do shit. And that's why we have 800,000 people dead. And that's why we're still struggling with a pandemic fucking today almost two years later. So, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, if you voted for him, next time he comes around, you may want to think twice about that because he's not a serious candidate. He's not a good representative because he's lying to you. Now, if you don't mind being lied to, well, God bless you. But this fucking guy is nuts. This fucking guy is a liar. So let's talk about uh, COVID real quickly. We know this started or at least we've heard about it the first time in South Africa. 
And now we're hearing about it in other countries, even as close as Canada. There's an excellent chance it's already in this country. We just haven't found it as yet. It is going to spread like they all do. It's a matter of how serious it is, whether our vaccines affect it, help fight against it. We need to know all that stuff. That will take a week or two for us to find that out. But South Africa's a little upset. And I get it, man. South Africa does what they're supposed to do and say, hey, we've got a new variant and it looks problematic. So what does Joe Biden and other countries around the world do? They shut down the borders. They're not going to take anybody coming into or, or out of South Africa. Well, South Africa counts on tourism a lot for income in their country. Now they're upset. They said, hey, we did the fucking right thing. Now you're going to punish us? I get it. I understand why they're upset. But the fact of the matter is, is what else are you going to do? Like I've said before, it's between a rock and a hard place. You don't want to bring more COVID or more uh, of the variant into the country, but you don't want to punish South Africa for doing what's right. That's a tough one. I don't know what to do with that. But we've got to limit the pandemic first and foremost and worry about tourism and all this other stuff secondarily because too many people are dying, too many people are getting sick, and uh, that has to be the priority. Well, there's a couple of other things I wanted to bring up, one that's good news and one that's just fucking ridiculous. We've been hearing about the prospect of the of uh, the House Select Committee sending Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff, over to the DOJ for uh, in hopes to charge him of criminal contempt of Congress because he refuses to testify. We've been hearing about that a long time, and uh, we'll see if it actually happens. But we've been waiting, and people have been kind of grousing about it. But while we were thinking about that, all of a sudden they came out today and they said, look, we're going to vote to send Jeffrey Clark over to the DOJ for criminal contempt of court of Congress. You remember, he's the guy that worked in the DOJ. He was a deputy um, deputy attorney general. He's the one that was working with Trump, writing these letters uh, after the election saying, hey, there's all kinds of massive fraud. Don't certify your elections, which was untrue, which was a lie, which is seditionist. And we know he was dealing with either Donald Trump or somebody in Donald Trump's office. Those notes went up the chain to the actual A.G. Rosen, and A.G. Rosen said, that's fucking crazy, we're not doing it. But what he attempted to do is a serious crime. And they wanted him to come testify because they need to know who he was talking to in the White House. But he refused. He said he can't do it because of executive privilege. Well, that executive privilege thing is going to be decided probably this week because Donald Trump appealed the last loss in court. And that court case starts Tuesday, November 30th today. He's not going to get a decision in this. He's going to lose again. So now they're getting a little tired of Jeffrey Clark dicking around. He's a nobody, but he was in the thick of it. They need to talk to him. So now they're going to vote, 
and they're going to decide to send him to the DOJ. This is going to be a much different situation. Steve Bannon loves the whole aspect of getting the attention and shit. This is some no-name guy who doesn't have any money. He is not going to be like going uh, to court on federal charges and possibly going to jail on a $100,000 fine. He's not going to like that. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds to this whole thing. That's coming this week. Like a lot of this shit, it's all coming pretty quick. Last thing I want to talk about is something I find hilarious. Now, you remember Lauren Boebert told a little joke in front of a bunch of Trumplifucks. She said that she and a staff member got on a, an elevator. And as they did, they noticed Ilhan Omar was on the elevator. And the fact of the matter is she decided to make it a little joke and, and, and the staff member looked over kind of concerned that Ilhan Omar was there, probably more so out of embarrassment after all the things that Lauren Boebert had said, like the jihad squad. But what Lauren Boebert looked over at her and said, well, she doesn't have a backpack, so we should be okay. She told this joke in front of all these Trumplicans. Actually, it never fucking even happened. She's just trying to be funny. Well, it got out on video. People pushed back on it. She got nervous, and she apologized, quasi-apologized, on Twitter. And then she said she would call Lauren, or she would call Ilhan Omar in hopes to smooth all this out. You know what I'm saying? Well, she did call Ilhan Omar. And I guess she was kind of half apologizing and half not apologizing. But Ilhan Omar says, look, you did this in public. It was spread out all over the country. If you're going to give me an apology, I need you to do it in public. I need you to do it publicly. And you know what Lauren Boebert did? (laughs) This shouldn't surprise you. She said, oh, yeah? Well, then you should apologize for all the things you did. That's a little diversion, distraction, and projection. That's typical of a narcissist reacting to being called out. Well, now she's all angry. Ilhan Omar hangs up on her. And then she goes out, doubles down in a uh, uh, press conference, doubles down on this shit, and wrecks her apology and all the shit she was trying to do to fix it because her ego wouldn't allow her to do that. She didn't want to be embarrassed by making a public apology. She just wanted to go in the back door and say, hey, Ilhan, I'm sorry. Let's call it even. Ilhan said, fuck that. You need to say it in public. She didn't like it. She got upset. And now she's back to where she started from. She got all concerned and apologized, which was out of character for her because of what she did to Ilhan Omar. And she gets on the phone with her, and she can't even make it work. She can't even keep her head together for a short period of time to make it better and move on. Like Lauren Boebert doesn't have enough other problems. But then she comes out of it and does exactly what Donald Trump would do, is make it ten times worse. I think it's hilarious. This stupid bitch wants to be a representative in the U.S. House of Representatives, and she can't even fucking negotiate an apology. Well, she's in trouble. She's probably going to get censored, too. And they're going to take away her committee assignments, which is what Kevin 
McCarthy was absolutely afraid of because he's losing committee seats with at least three or four of the members of uh, the minority group, the the Republicans. And uh, it's just making the Republicans weaker every day. (laughs) But Lauren Boebert couldn't bring herself to have a little, not not to, to be a little contrite, not to be egotistical and just smooth this over so we could move on and she didn't have to deal with it. Nope. She decided to blow it up, burn that fucking bridge and put her back, put herself back in the same fucked up position she was in in the first place. Nice going, Lauren Boebert. That just shows how fucking ignorant and stupid you are. All right, we're running out of time. We'll wrap things up. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about some more stuff, see what else happens. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.